Welcome to episode 25 of the Two on Three podcast, where this week, three of your friends will take on one topic divided into three parts. So more like a three on three thirds this week, then? It's, I, I was never strong with fractions. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was rough. Thank you. Uh, before we introduce ourselves, I want to be very clear that our topic this week is going to be uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, and there will be spoilers. My name is Ty, available at your pleasure on Twitter at S-E-A-T-J-K. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Where can people give you the outer rim job, Chris? <laughs> well, I live at... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You don't want my home address. <laughs> oh, okay. um, you know, whatever you need. Well, I'm just saying. Um, you can find me at C.D. Villasenor on the Twitter. I thought you were going to say, like, a rest stop somewhere on I-5 or something. You can find me at a rest stop just south of Enchanted Village on I-5 <laughs> in Federal Way. And the dulcet tones of that third voice you hear uh, is our first-time guest, Matt, host of the Reasons Are Several podcast. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you post your bad opinions on the internet? Uh, I do not frequent rest stop bathrooms like Chris, but uh, you can find our show at reasonsareseveral.com. You can find me on Twitter at reasonsare. Uh, we do a weekly show, me and my buddy Neil, and it comes out every Wednesday, so go check that out. It's I'd like to classify it in some fashion, but it's all over the board. We do talk about sex bots, which you keep calling out uh, on me there, <laughs> Villa. It is it is your, your all the sex bot talk you want to talk about. If you That's if you're true. interested in a sex doll, uh, check out the reasons are several podcasts. They they uh, they they're very much uh, they very much know what they're talking about. It's kind of our wheelhouse. And you know, I mean, <laughs> we might get into some sex bot or some sex bot talk today with this. There show. might there might be so. Well, thanks, Matt, for joining us. Thanks for having um, me. For any, yeah, absolutely. And for anyone unfamiliar with the show, we allocate 10 minutes per topic. Always go to OT at the end of the show. Keep up with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod. So as we dive into Solo, we're going to chop it up and we'll look at expectations versus reality, high points and low points, sort of what worked and what didn't, making it better and what's next for the franchise. And we'll head to overtime for any leftovers and talk probably a little bit about the U.S. Open, which starts this week. So guys, to get started... Um, Chris, I know you always like to lead these conversations off. You have some strong expectations about what's coming out. So why don't you uh, kick us off with expectations versus reality about Solo, All right. a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story. So- Star Wars Episode Eleven. <laughs> Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> the So if I'm just going to start us out here, there was a lot of things happening in the beginning of when, as they're making this, as you're sort of, as things were sort of going out, there was that big switch in directors, which was the first one. So it started out as a Lord and Miller production. And if people aren't familiar with the Lord and Miller property, their most famous property is the Lego movie. Okay. So Lord and Miller have this sort of tongue in cheek. They have a very, they have their, they're very much, I think they're probably dudes a lot like us. Mm-hmm. I think they're about the same age as us. They watch too much television and they're happy to be referential in there and how they do their things. So at some point it broke down. And so it was interesting to think about how it started because a lot of the footage that ends up in Solo, A Star Wars Story is Lord and Miller footage. So after it sort of falls apart, they get Ron Howard and who's more and who's more sort of corporate and steadying than Ron Howard. Do you know the differences there between what was shot by them and what was shot by Howard? There's a there's some breakdowns on the internet which will tell you which okay. which were but but Ron Howard's such a pro that he just pu- you know he pulled the whole thing together and and I think that as I was going into it I thought to myself well Ron Howard's involved and do we, do we all remember what Ron Howard's uh you know his flagship fantasy property was Splash no 
<laughs> oh God! Well, it was that was my fan that was my fantasy property. But do we remember the last time he teamed up with sort of a George Lucas uh, uh, thing? A movie called Willow. Are you familiar with Willow? So I'm not really sure what was going to happen here when we inserted Ron. My sense was it was such a, just a mess that they begged Ron Howard to come and sort of steady the boat and produce the, and direct them and kick out a movie that would be neither terrible or super great. And on time. And on time, on budget, on time. It's like, we need a pro. I don't know so, about on budget, <laughs> but on time. The budget's pretty healthy, is my yeah, sense. It's true. But but that so going into it, I figured I was going to get something middle of the road. Hmm. That was that was already I was already I was already, I, I figured it was predestined to get something okay. Yeah. Did you feel the same way when the when the trailers came out? So going into it, you thought, well, that looked a little better than I thought. I think that no. Well. <laughs> and let's get right to the next point is the dude is too short he is a little short the dude is too short harrison ford's solid six foot tall right Mm -hmm. and so when you put him on screen with mark hamill who's what five two he's tiny (laughs) and and carrie fisher who's four eleven he looks gigantic right he's the he's he's he looms he's the adult in that whole you know what i mean because when you when they show up it's like okay here are these kids it's like leia she's a kid luke he's a kid obi-wan's old you know and so now we need an adult and in strolls harrison ford and he's obviously the adult Mm -hmm. so as we rewind this whole thing back, you get this sh- kid who shows up, and you're like, "Well, he's full grown. That's not that guy's not unless he's twelve in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is not going to grow up to be Han Solo. Maybe he's going to hit a late growth spurt. You know, because I think one of the things I saw was they were saying that at the beginning of this movie, he's supposed to be sixteen. So by the time that the major part of the movie takes place, he's nineteen. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Yeah. People can still be growing then, Chris. What? <laughs> so how old is... So So Han Solo's in episode four is 30 years old. I was going to save the whole Alden Ehrenreich portion of the, the review for you were? the part that didn't work. Okay. <laughs> well, we can get into that. All right. But I'm just... let's. But my expectation if going into it, though, I'm just saying that I'm already... It's already, it's already tipsy for me mm. coming in. The boat's already starting to rock even before well, I sit. Well, that's what I was going to say is that it was actually better than i expected from a purely entertainment value perspective like when they showed the when the trailer on the you know the internet i think the one i posted on twitter had you know woody harrelson telling chewbacca he couldn't wipe the holographic chess pieces away Mm -hmm. i was like oh man this is gonna be just a just a disaster that's what you're showing me that's what you're supposed to be getting me out to the theater i'm like this is some cornball shit and there was a lot of that in the movie a lot of just uh it was very popcorny very just had the the, you know you said that the, the director change and it really had a lot of Ron Howard isms on just in it. It was just very stick to the basics. So let's paint by numbers here. And I thought that where I did thought it or did think it succeeded in that way though, was kind of giving us a type of movie that just exists in the star Wars universe, doing excellent work with the shorthand that all the fans have. Um, so I thought that for expectations versus reality, thinking of in terms of what are we going to get from an origin story? They sort of checked all the right boxes almost to the point where it felt like maybe they were pandering. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I kind of expected that. But so what works for Rogue One is we don't know any of these people, but it, it's set in a universe that we know. 
Mm-hmm. The, the what happens here is we get the most uh, you we get the most iconic character in all of Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon, and <laughs> and then Han Solo, who's second. Uh, but the but there's it's just so difficult. It'd be like having a a Luke Skywalker movie with some kid who was you know moisture farming i don't know you can't have (laughs) you can't you can't have a you can't have a prequel luke trilogy where he just lives on uncle ben's farm it'd be like Um, little house in the prairie shit or or uncle owen's farm i'm sorry (laughs) but 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 he is he is so you know we have this sort of this distinct character played by an iconic actor and and now we're and now we roll it back to this dude and, I think they could have worked not... a little harder at the casting table for that. Like, I uh, I liked him, so I'm really? way opposite of you guys. Okay, you liked him. I thought that the beginning of this movie. So I mean, as far as my expectations, I had similar like nah, you know worries about it. I was real mm-hmm. concerned about Aaron Reich. Yeah, and I mean that was the biggest concern because that's the biggest part of the movie, of course. But I thought Donald Glover is probably going to be good. You know, Chewie's there, the Falcon's there. Like, there's all these other things that are going to be there that'll help, but he needs to do well. But my biggest concern was don't try to be Harrison Ford because you can't do it. And I think even Harrison Ford told him that. Make this character Mm -hmm. your own. Gave him some advice on it. So I think when he went into it, he did it with his own, a bit of his own style. There's certainly mannerisms and stuff that I think he mimics fairly well. But at the, I'll tell you, at the beginning of the movie, I thought... Oh boy! I, the first like the opening se- sequence, I was not a big fan of. That was the worst part of the movie for me. Um, once they kind of get to the point where like he meets up with Woody and the crew, uh, sorry Tobias and the crew, uh, that's when the movie really starts to to take off. And by the end of the movie, I to me he is a different version of Han Solo, but still Han Solo. He's like confident and arrogant. He's got that you know a bit of that smirk. He, I just I I thought he I thought he grew into the role over the course of the movie. You like that? You liked his arc. You liked I did. The, you like him? You like his his? He grows up a little bit. He gets a little more world weary. I think that um, I you know I'm not really sure how the um, you know I think that that when it's when it's when at the beginning you're right that whole that whole Corellia thing. Well, I thought get, the streets and stuff like I thought the way they portrayed the city was kind of cool. I don't know if you guys watched Star Wars Rebels, but it had a very much a feeling like uh, they're on uh, Lethal there, and it had kind of that feel to it. Stuff's like on the ground; it's not just you know up in mm-hmm. space. And so it, I like that feel, but um, but the whole sequence that happened there, I struggled with, like the lady Parmesan or whatever the hell her name was. <laughs> <laughs> that whole story, that whole bit was just silly to me. Um, but and then I I kind of questioned like. And we can get into this more when we get into the fixing it thing. Did they did they spend enough time telling us who these people are, what their life was like, and why it was so important that he get away and then find Kira later? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? How the sort of the relationship starts? I think that you know it's it's two kids grow up on the streets together. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't really I didn't really feel like I, I'd like to have felt like they were that they were that you could have started that story earlier. As them totally. as, little, as little kids. Yep. And then sort of rolled it forward into... I th- I really see... You could have just done an Indiana Jones film here, really. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's this whole... My favorite parts of Indiana... Like, my favorite part of um, of Last Crusade is where... River Phoenix. 
River Phoenix, and then you then it basically cuts like he his head goes down, then his mm-hmm. head comes back up, and it's Harrison Ford. Yeah, I think that there's a little. I think there's more story to tell about a really young Han Solo, as opposed to him telling you about his dad. Why don't you just take Why don't you take part of the movie and and give us his dad? It just made it harder to understand the bond between the two of them and why she was so important to him. That that right. made it harder. It grew over time, but at the beginning, it just it, it was kind of a little bit hollow. Yeah, it's just then, not. It's just, there's not. It's just not enough build up for me to just have him show up as this kid. Yeah, I get that. I'd like you know that's and that's the other part about it is how old how old is Han Solo coming into it? Well, right. And so I think you're right though. I think by episode four he's like twenty nine thirty. Yeah. So again, so did my expectations meet the reality? To wrap this first part up. I think for the most part, um, my expectations were slightly low, but I was willing to sit in the theater and have them tell me a story. Ty? There you go. Yeah, I was never bored, is the way I'll put it. Like, I, there were definitely parts where I cringed a little bit, and it was a little hammy. Um, there are a lot of sort of things that if you think about them too hard that aren't the greatest. Uh, I'm not sure about Donald Glover's performance. Um, I'm not sure about my expectations for that. I think I actually probably expected something a little cleaner a little crisper um it was a little bit of a caricature in a way that is frankly a little uncomfortable if you think about it too long um so for me that was a little tough well i thought they made him um kind of smooth but uh, but with faults and it and it fit what billy d was doing later on. i don't like I don't he wasn't the characterization was necessarily off it just i don't know the vibe was a little weird, but I mean, right. I laughed at the parts you're supposed to laugh at. So right. Yeah. So in the high. So now we're entering in the high point. Yeah. Low let's, part, let's, so. let's go. Well, Matt, did you have a last wrap up on expectations versus reality? I would just say that my expectations were pretty medium, and it exceeded those. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to. I agree with that. All right. So high points and low points. So what did you like? What didn't you like? Um, we could probably spend a lot of times on a lot of time on what didn't you like. So let's try to keep our. Uh, <laughs> some succinctness that's not a word but you know well anyway so let's let's jump back into donald glover you're right it was a very much like i felt like he was doing a billy d impression quite frankly yeah and i was but, i wasn't sure it was a good one but what what cracked me up endlessly was the fact that he kept calling him hand that was amazing that was excellent and worked perfectly because it's the best part that that yeah. part every time he said it it cracked me up but <laughs> i think that but i think that i think the fact that he was grifting yeah and and wasn't great at it. He was still sort of getting right. his legs too. Yeah. Um, well, and even even in Empire, he you can tell he doesn't have everything under control. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he he doesn't. It's he look, he almost comes across as a guy who just he doesn't have it all set up. Like he's got kind of the the impetus of a plan, but it doesn't always have everything accounted for. Uh, by the way, really quickly on the hand thing, didn't you love how it was hand? Which I mean, he says in Empire all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he calls him hand after. Uh, Solo calls calls it uh, Sabak, and he goes, "It's Sabak." And then he goes, "I'm Han Solo," and he goes, "Han." And then and then and then they got the Falcon and the Falcon thing going on, yeah. right? So what the pick pick a fucking pick a pronunciation here and go with it. It's so bizarre to me. How do you are you a Falcon or a Falcon guy? Well, I mean, it's the Falcon. That's what I say. <laughs> I would never call it that though. I always call it the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I think I use both. <laughs> Interchangeable. Would, so is it like the caribbean and the caribbean like it's pirates yeah, of the caribbean yeah. but i would go to the caribbean <laughs> right exactly it's like i would call it the millennium falcon but if someone said hey what is it oh that's the falcon yeah right 
Like I wouldn't say Millennium Falcon. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's you the said full it like name. six times now. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I think that's a good that's a good high point to hit on too though is, is or, or, well last thing I'll say about Glover is I really did appreciate the cheap joke at the end where he screamed that's a custom piece I just that that really tickled me very hard and I laughed quite a bit at that one because <laughs> it was such a such a squeal and such a exactly the kind of thing that if you cared about your image more than like who you really were that you would squeal about and I think that the the movie did do a nice job capturing that. Two dudes a little bit in over their head all the time and a little bit kind of just bluffing their way into whatever position they're in. Right, uh, right. Kind of two guys, two 20, 22, 25 year old guys, whatever, just kind of full of shit, trying to make it in the, in the, the dangerous space galaxy. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I think I heard some people complain that, you know, the movie's Han Solo. It's about Solo, but yet all these other characters are better than, than, than Aaron Reich. That's what I heard a lot of people say. To me, though, I mean, as much as the movie is all about the heist and all that stuff, it's all about his individual relationships he forms with every single person in the movie. And that includes, sure. that includes the Falcon. Like the, yeah. the, the goo goo eyes he gets when he first goes into like uh, light speed. And when he like first jumps into the seat, like TJ hooker style or whatever. And then TJ, <laughs> you might want to update your references. Was it him? Dog. Was it him? <laughs> Chris, was that right? Perfect. <laughs> and then obviously, like the kind of mentor-mentee relationship with with uh, Woody's character, and obviously Kira, which grew better over time, even though it kind of started a little bit hollow. And then, of course, the most important one, which is Chewie, because the like the underlying theme throughout this whole movie is you can't trust anybody, as mm-hmm. as Woody says. By the way, I don't know if you. It made you feel the same way, Chris, especially the, the the Last Crusade kind of reference. He's like, I he didn't listen to my advice. I told him not to trust anybody. It's exactly what they do in Last Crusade. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I just thought the way they formed those relationships with him with each of these people was really great. But the Chewy one was especially good because that's the only person he could fucking trust. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm dropping F-bombs. Um, but but and I, and I think that's really important to show that, you know, he, he can only put all of his trust in that one guy. And, and the banter they had, I thought was pretty good. Yeah, Chewie, no. actually getting Chewie to getting to watch Chewie kick some ass was definitely a high point for me. Finally seeing him in like battle action. I know we got to see a little bit in the prequels, but uh, this was a little more like just like the war scene worked really well. Um, yeah. The the fighting scene in the cage worked well, and the you know the, the prison break scene worked well, and a lot because of the the kinetic energy present by having Chewbacca be able to throw people around as part of the fighting. Well, when he rips <laughs> on Solo, yeah. he's, he's, like he's holding the arms. Yeah, he goes, "Nice, that would have fit me perfect." But whatever, <laughs> right? Which is, of course, is a, a tip of the hat to you know, Wookiees ripping your arms off. Right, exactly. But the uh, but just like any good superheroes, they have to fight first. Right yep. before they become friends, mm-hmm. yep. and this is that's an important part of it. Um, it's, uh, it's how about the shower thing. scene? <laughs> the shower scene is <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. That, that Couldn't we have done this one at a time? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Uh, but it's nice that you know you put a you put a more athletic person into the Chewbacca outfit, right. and then things happen. Right? right, things are things are much uh, things are much improved with from a Chewbacca standpoint, as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm-hmm. He, I think that again, the characters. I didn't have a problem with with Han and Chewbacca's thing at all. I think I think that was played very nicely. I think that um, that it's nice to see that um, because I always felt like Chewbacca was the steadying presence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you think he's the 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 mean, crazy Wookie, the muscle of this thing, but really, he's no, he's Han's moral center, right? He's like Chewie's, <laughs> Chewie's his. Chewie's the thing that keeps him grounded mm-hmm. 
because you know because you really feel like um, that Han would make much worse what well, and does make much worse decisions <laughs> until Chewbacca shows up and then all of a sudden things are starting to things are starting to come into focus yeah and even later on when he's packing up their dough in episode four and Chewie's like dude and he goes, come on, I know what I'm doing. You know, like he knows he knows what he's doing is wrong. And Chewie's just there to kind of, like you said, kind of provide that moral compass. But he doesn't want to listen to him. But he does. But he does. But then, uh, yeah, eventually he does. Yeah. Okay, Another high so, point for me was anything to do with the Falcon. Yep. I mean, pretty much every aspect of it. Shit even even though I started to feel like I don't need you to show me how every piece of it got destroyed and then needed to be replaced. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. But they, like, really did take a moment to show you. We got the deflector dish. We got the, uh, the what's the cannon called? There's a name for it, but whatever. Yeah. The um, ventral cannon. The yeah, ventral there's cannon. that. We got the, uh, the... That was kind of funny. That hurt is... my thumbs really bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought I know there was some of it. Some people look at it as really goofy humor. It sounds like they were going to go even more humorous with the old right. directors, but yeah, mm-hmm. it to me it felt like it was humor in line with typical Star Wars movies, at least the original trilogy. So that's why I kind of enjoyed it. And I'm not trying to sell you guys because it seems like I like this movie a lot more than you did. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I wasn't I wasn't over the moon about it. Yeah. I'm not with with regard to the Falcon. Everybody very very clear that the Falcon is my favorite everyone's favorite character in the whole mm-hmm. in all of Star Wars. I'm not so sure about the whole activist droid being merged into the Falcon, making the Falcon this this thing. I didn't I didn't need more. I didn't what are you one th- of these feminist propaganda dudes getting all mad about you're getting your underwear twisted because it's about wi- empowering women? <laughs> no. <'cause> she wa- <laughs> because she wasn't empowering women, she was empowering droids, and droids are asexual. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Unconscious Bias. Are they? Well, I don't asexual? Know. She said she was gonna be down to get she said are she was they? thinking about getting down with Lando. Should we stop and talk about if droids are sexual or not for a minute? Oh sorry, I don't want to derail. <laughs> but I was gonna ask you about that. Like when he basically says that she's part of the ship now, does that yeah. change your perception of her later on is now you think oh that L three well, is in her now. You well, know? they make they make a they um, C three PO makes a, a comment about the nav computer of the oh, Millennium Falcon. Right. I forgot about that. Be- being a little bit, you know, being a little bit wacky. Yeah, sassy pants. Yeah, so that's the so it's that's part of. I don't know if I needed that. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it was. I think maybe it was a little odd that perhaps Lando was in love with a droid. <laughs> and maybe they had a relationship that 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 uh, was a little bit adult. Hey, she said it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just take on all comers. That's what his deal is. He just yeah, doesn't want to eliminate any options. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah, like I said, I don't know if I needed. I don't. I don't know if I needed that. Um, that much of it. Gotcha. And the and and the castle run. Um, man, could you? I couldn't. It was difficult to see anything, right? Obviously, they were beating the crap out of the out of the Falcon, mm-hmm. but it was. I think as it was filmed, I think it was. It would. It seemed much. It just seemed much. Uh, seemed much more confused than perhaps I would have liked it. I guess it was supposed to be confusing. I think so, and it was fine. It wasn't my favorite part by any means, and I mean, it's. I don't think I felt like I needed the Kessel Run to be explained necessarily, but I, I understand why they included it as part of the deal. It made sense, you know, as part of the plot line. But yeah. yeah, I, I did you did you guys like Woody? It was you better know, than I expected. He's usually I, pretty solid, because he's always Woody, you know. Yeah, so you got to kind of accept that. 
and I think that I wasn't sure about it either. But when Woody w- Woody just does Woody things, yeah, and and you're fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I kind of just lost myself in it. Like, didn't even think about the fact that it was Woody in a Star Wars movie. I mean, when it was first announced, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But um, seeing him, I thought he did a good job. And and they sh- certainly wanted to put a fine point on the. Uh, uh, Han will shoot first. <laughs> yeah, they definitely, they That's definitely. That's a quick shot. They definitely made a point of it. Anyway, I think Bettany's good in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, why was Vision so upset? I don't understand. <laughs> His face got screwed up somehow. Now, like being, being a, you know, I guess being a interstellar like crime lord. Yeah, I thought those you. were varicose veins in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Stressful job. And I know you have a, and I know Ty, you don't love Amelia Clark. Uh, she was fine, but this is for the she same reason. Act, she can't act her way out of a paper bag. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> I was, I was so excited. Actually, I was like, maybe I'll love her character, and she'll be so great in this movie, and I'll change my opinion. And I walked out. I was like, nah, I was right the first time. <laughs> Maybe she'll die. I was going to say, were you rooting for her to die, Ty? (laughs) No. He was. Did you think for a second that when she was doing the whole I'm right behind you to to Han that that, like something was going to happen to her and not her actually flipping it over and taking control? No. um, I thought. See that coming. Yeah. No, it seemed like that was the thing I was going to say earlier about the movie, too, is that on the whole, it it didn't. It was very predictable. Oh, it was. That's That's a totally valid critique. Yeah, but I don't really have a problem with that if your execution is, you know, an eight out of ten, and that's kind of how I feel about this. That, that especially given the problems, um, so we didn't really talk too much about low points, but we're going to talk a little bit about making it better. The last thing I want to touch on as uh, whether or not you guys thought this was good or bad was the really defined point about making sure you understood that the parsecs reference was a distance reference and they knew that and you need to know that they knew that. And I want to make sure that you know that they knew that it was distance. It, it was not. They, that's, that's, that is a total retcon. They, yes, it is. they, they took so much shit about that in 1977 that it took them forty years, you know, to come back and and make and and make up for the fact that George Lucas thought parsec sounded like a really cool thing to say. So and, I, I interestingly, and, I looked this and, up, and and and, he, and they fixed it. They retconned it. Well, so it definitely was a mistake. But there's a draft apparently of the script that says Ben reacts to Solo's stupid attempt to impress them with obvious misinformation. So there was some line in there about Han's full of shit. Oh, so he's he's saying it using the term incorrectly, and that's on purpose. Correct. That gotcha. he's the one who's using it incorrectly. Not that the script was wrong. That Han is actually incorrect on purpose. Oh, because no. he's full of shit. But now, now that now they actually have retconned it and made it all so that now it's <laughs> literal. Know, so that know. that explanation no longer applies. And he's still full of crap because he says, "Well, if you round it down, eleven dot five, right? It's twelve. Well, and the thing is, is every offshoot Star Wars film going to retcon something? Kind of like Rogue One and the, the, yeah. the, you know, the external or whatever, the exhaust pipe? Sure. Well, Star, well, Star <laughs> look, Wars... Look, they didn't know about it. It was the designer. I know it seems like an right, obvious flaw, right. but they didn't know about it. Yeah. Right. Are there any other we need to take care of? There's plenty. Right. Well, I mean... George Lucas set the set the set the um, precedent for this by special editioning the movies. Ugh. So I mean, so so now everything is everything is 
well, it's referential to begin with. I mean, they're mining nostalgia. It's very clear that that's what's going on. But they're also taking the fact that it was a simpler time and people didn't didn't peel apart Star Wars in 1977 like they created stuff for now. Yeah. And so now they're so now later on people who are my age are remaking these films or adding on to the to the lore of Star Wars and they're just fixing all the stuff that bugs. I, I was going to ask you about that the maturity of the moviegoer compared to, you know, the original trilogy cuz I don't know about you granted I was like 5 or 6 years old, but when I saw Empire and it was like Darth is Luke's father, what the fuck? <laughs> Nowadays, you know half the audience would be like, "Oh, I bet you that's his dad." <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd have seen it coming a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the it's the giant cone of content, right? I mm-hmm. think that in 1977 there wasn't so much content. Yeah. And so now they've told every story a hundred times. So how do you surprise people other than, you know, other than just gruesomely killing people? Well, but, perfect segue. Perfect segue. <laughs> how are we going to the make U.S. It, Open? How are we going? No. Wait, how wait. are we going to make it better? We got one more segment to talk All about. All right. So well. <laughs> I think one of my problems with this, and I'm going to call it the, the Jack Sparrow effect, is that, that the pirate has to be lovable in some way, shape, or form. And I think that in trying to, because people love Han Solo, that his origin story has to be, well, he's the good guy. He's a lovable guy. But I don't think so. I think that, I think that, Han Solo's probably a guy who was driven more by action. Like he, he just wanted. He just bored. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I always felt like Han Solo's deal was. Han Solo gets bored. Like he, he gets bored. He takes on these terrible. He takes on these terrible deals. He's wanted by the huts. He's wanted by everybody because he gets bored. And then he shows up in this bar. And then of course it's like, oh, you guys are gonna do what? Well, that's certainly less boring than what I'm doing now, so I think I'll just go with you. <laughs> and then all along the way, he gets bored and then does something heroic. And then we see him in The Force Awakens, and he's out making trouble because he's bored again. Yeah. And so this, it's this cycle of boredom that drives, I think that the cycle of boredom drives Han Solo to do things, but you can't really make an origin story about a guy who's driven by boredom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you you at least can't make a hero story about a guy who's like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's. I should just join the freaking army. I should join the imperial army because I'm bored. And then shit happens, and like, and then he gets bored and does something stupid, and then, and then rinse and repeat. And that's how I feel. Han Solo arrives at Mos Eisley. It's just I'm bored, and so I'm gonna do something stupid, and I always screw it up because it's less boring to screw stuff up and be chased by, and then have a price on my head. Because well, so maybe, well, maybe in the sequel they'll show that boredom at length. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to, you have to create a story that's heroic. He has to have this heroic arc before he shows up in tat- on, in Mos Eisley, and I just don't believe that when we first meet. Han Solo and Mos Eisley, he's like this heroic, he's lived a heroic life. I just don't, I just don't buy it. Well, yeah, he's dealing with a bunch of shady characters. So, and I'm curious, I mean, we can get into that in a second, but like what's next kind of deal? Will they make a sequel to this? Because obviously the money doesn't warrant it, but they certainly left some things wide open to do so. And if they're going to do that, the sequel would have to get more into the gutter as far as the shady characters he's dealing with and and kind of working with on a daily basis rather than, you know, being the good boy. Well, it gives us it gives us an opportunity to throw Boa Fett into the mix, too. Yes, if they don't do a whole 
I mean, they might do a whole movie with him. That's I, that's I, that, that that theory. I don't know about that. It's, he's a he's a he's a supporting character at best. Yeah, my my. Uh, I think when they when I first heard them talking about this stuff, that it was a Han Solo Boba Fett thing. Hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure where. I mean, I I think they they certainly left it wide open. Um, I don't. I think commercially, it's probably the least successful Star Wars. Oh yeah, that they've had. The thing about that though is, I would definitely go see a sequel with where they left us off. Yeah, like I didn't love Aaron Reich, but I like I agreed with Matt's take that he sort of became he embodied the role by the end of the film to a way in a way that I will buy it for another. I I would I would go see a sequel much more quickly than I ran out to see this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, because I think I would know what I was in for a little bit more clearly. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. they got a lot of storylines to to you know examine you, there yeah and you talked about the beginning and i i would have liked it i think it maybe is too tropey but i think i would have enjoyed the romance if it had been more like involved with the crew like if you had made maybe tandy newton's character not woody's lover but rather his like second in command mm-hmm. and that's then that becomes amelia clark's role or it doesn't have to be amelia clark but whoever it becomes the love interest role mm-hmm. and then he kind of has to, they're on doing jobs and stuff and it's a little more heisty and a little less rescuey uh, because the heist scene was one of the best parts of the movie even though if you're uncoupling half the train, why don't you just crash the whole thing and then take, I guess it was going to explode, but whatever. But right. the train was were. dope as shit. I thought yeah. that was like mission impossible stuff. It does seem like you could have focused on just uncoupling the two ends of the car and then loading it on and maybe not try to tie the cord part of it to the disconnecting part. <laughs> like it's a two part deal. Like you, you maybe not having the ropes on it while you're trying to disconnect. It was super helpful. Yeah. But then the, those cloud riders came in and ruined everything. Right. Because that's, that's a whole Star other Wars character. names. You mean the names of the characters? Yes. So, like for instance, Enfys Nest. That's exactly. <laughs> it's a tough one. It's the, the kind of thing where if I don't know if I hadn't read it before I saw the movie, I don't think I'd have any idea what the hell they were saying. Yeah, it almost sounds like a Mark Twain character or something. You know, I don't. It, it, well, it's, it's like sounds like one word. Yeah. And and it's, you're it's, not it's, pronouncing it correctly, no matter how you try. It's right. you're, you're stuttering. Yeah. Enfys Nest. <laughs> What'd you say? Bless you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're not. Yeah. Part, pardon? Pardon me? <laughs> and and I'm, did I miss something? Did I fall asleep for like 30 seconds where they there was an explanation for why they like did the hard push on her face when they should? Was it just that she was a, a young woman? That was the reveal? Because I think it, that was, yeah, meant to be the shocking fact. You thought it was like some big badass dude or alien and it was it was this young gal. Update your attitudes about women, Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was their updating their. That was updating their their uh, their their. I just didn't think it was much women. of a reveal. I mean, whatever, it could have been anybody. I don't well, the, know. everyone knows that the rebellions run by women. Yeah, like the rebellion. Like even since 1977, the rebellions run by women. True. Yeah, the one that we're we're doing here in the U.S. too right now. Yeah, <laughs> all run by women. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it was more about the youth. Maybe I'm wrong, but Maybe, I think it was yeah. more about the fact that she was so young. And I, I enjoyed the expecting. concept that she was the Dread Pirate Roberts, though, that she was like <laughs> taking over for her mother. Right. That was great. I want more. I want more emphasis nest. <laughs> you want, would you like an emphasis on emphasis nest? Is that what you're asking for? <laughs> Do you think it's warm in emphasis nest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Do you think there's well? And one last thing I wanted to ask you about is the mall appearance. Did you guys have issues with that? Did you think it was cool? Were you surprised? Because when the, when they showed her, you know, plug in her decoder ring, and it you know popped the when the, I saw the feet, when I saw the feet, I knew it was him. And yeah, the first uh, the first sound out of his mouth, you're just like, oh my god, it's him. 
And I think that's going to confuse a lot of people who don't, who have not seen some of the other material. Who haven't seen Rebels. Yeah, Rebels because, or Clone Wars. That, that, they yeah. had a Clone Wars uh, comic as well, or whatever, uh, cartoon. But, but yes, I think a lot of people are like, but he died. What the hell? No, he didn't. He did not. Because Cutting, yeah. when you cut in half an Elite Force user, you don't always kill him. Well, you're, he's, he's being cauterized, right? Like right <laughs> with the... With the, with the is, am I getting that right. wrong? Is it the other one? Yeah, I so always screw up cauterized staples and it's all good. <laughs> Ka-chunk, Man, ka-chunk, they just, ka-chunk. Let's put this they just, back they just they just strapped on some mechanical legs to him and he's ready to he's ready to party. When I'll say if you do watch Rebels, he's an awesome character in that show. He's really good. So I'm I mean I, I understand people have concerns considering which movie he came from, but still, he's a good character. It yeah, was well, the best part of a, a bad movie. That, yeah, well that's the that's the part of them fixing stuff for themselves. It's like let's bring back Darth Maul because I mean, the people at Rebels did the same thing. They're like, you know who we need? Yeah. We need Darth Maul because yeah. Darth Maul was the coolest, and he got short shrift, and we need to have him back. And we'll see that guy cool. again because if they do a Kenobi movie, he'll be in it. Uh, all so. the villains, all the villains in the pre in the prequels get short shrift. I would much mm-hmm. rather spend like cut out all the Anakin Padme bullshit and all the Ugh. Senate bullshit, and then let's learn about those the, like about Dooku and Grievous and and Maul for that matter. You want a you want a little you want a little you want a little emphasis on the dark side? Yeah, why do I care about those people at all? They just show up and then they eventually get smoked and that's it. Right. Because Star Wars is a story about skywalkers. <laughs> Are we going to get back to this? Can't expand beyond the Skywalker family. Well, I'm that's what I like you, about what Han, what this solo movie kind of established this ability to just like I said use the shared understanding to like make tell tell stories you know. In the Star Wars universe. And it's so, fine to have a Star Wars story told as many times as you want to. But the spine, episodes one through nine, I just, I'm, I'm convinced, you can't convince me otherwise, that those episodes are stories about the clan, the family Skywalker. Sure. No, and that's, that's totally fair, but I think there's so much room to offshoot from that. That's why I'm excited about some of the new trilogies they're going to make, because I hope they're totally different stories, you know, but still with that same feel and in the same universe. And frankly, I wasn't totally upset about the fact that you didn't have to deal with the Force and lightsabers for one time. No, I was happy with that. Totally I was glad. cool with it. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I'm fine to, like you said, I, I was fine with, uh, I mean, if it's more of an Indiana Jones type thing where, yeah. you know, here's, an, here's a, just an adventure, just a, a roller coaster ride. It's just and in this world, and that you know that's yeah. that's what they're doing with the, the the Harry Potter world too, right? With the Fantastic Beasts movie, that which was one of the trailers I saw before the mm-hmm. with Solo. It was just like, okay, so what you've done is you're you're going to tell other stories in this world that everyone has a sh- the shorthand for. So you don't have to right. explain anything. You just dive right into what's happening, and you don't have to like hold their hands through the world building part of it. It's a huge right. advantage. Not to not to not to not to tangent. Oh, That's the buzzer. Right. But not to tangent here. Go ahead, Matt. Make your make your point, and then I'm going to tangent. I was just going to say, I know based on what you just said about it, this is a Skywalker story, the the Star Wars universe. But to me, I was wondering, you guys, as guys who follow the Marvel universe a lot more than I do, how do you deal with that? It's this huge, expansive universe with all these you know, dozens and dozens of characters. And it seems like that's kind of the direction Star Wars is trying to go in is to create all these other offshoot stories. And sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. Can they pull that off like Marvel does? Marvel only barely pulls it off. (laughs) They do. It's, it's a, yeah, because the Marvel has to do it in, in very, in a very loose way. Whereas I think Star Wars 
the main you know the main episodes of Star Wars are driving towards something very specific. You know, in comic books, you can tell you can tell stories about these different p- pieces, and then they come together because oh look, there are Infinity Stones that are scattered throughout, and now yeah, everyone powers. has to come together. When yeah. you introduce powers and, and the ability to shift space and time, essentially you don't have to worry too much about continuity. Well, that makes it easy. <laughs> it, makes, it makes it way easy. Okay, All right, before we, hop, before we hop to the overtime, I need a tangent onto uh, Harry Potter, onto uh, Fantastic <laughs> Beasts. Okay. I'm calling bullshit that Albus Dumbledore was at one point Jude Law. <laughs> okay? Are you telling me that crappy old man with the three-foot beard used to be Jude Law? No. I call bullshit. Not a chance. I'm into it. Forget it. see the young pope shoot some magic out of his wand. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen. Jude Law doesn't grow up to be crappy Richard Harris. There's just not <laughs> happening. It's just not happening. <laughs> Who do you cast so, instead, though? That's I the, don't that's know. Trick. I don't know. But somebody else. Jude Law. James Come McAvoy. <laughs> somebody. There's somebody. There's somebody we can we can we can cast. But Jude mm. Law. Jude Law can grow up to be Albus Dumbledore, that old crappy dude. The old crappy dude. And, he went through a lot of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Weather, he you. did. He did. It was tough. <laughs> he's seen a lot. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's seen a lot. He's battled. He's gonna battle. He's gonna battle the evil wizard Johnny Depp to the death. I mean, that's isn't that one of isn't that the Albus Dumbledore? Um, what's one of his greatest uh, his greatest um, achievements is the uh, the defeat of the evil wizard Johnny Depp, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Yes. Anyway, so I, 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 I sorry, tangent. Sorry, sorry, sorry <laughs> you get a tangent again. Double tangent. So have you seen the, the Johnny Depp Sauvage commercials for the the Christian yeah. Dior yeah. cologne? Mm-hmm. God, <laughs> well, aren't they? So j- they're exactly him. I mean, yeah. Do you expect any different? No, but right. like, so are you I'm telling just, me that 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 perfume smells like whiskey and cigarettes? Is that what is that? <laughs> well, B-O, I just want Johnny whiskey to and know. cigarettes. That we so, got the we got the sample postcard in the mail the other day, and I set it on so the counter, and it's savage. like <laughs> it's it melted through his, the table. <laughs> it's him doing his ridiculous face, all lit up in blue with his pencil thin John Waters mustache and everything else. And my six year old daughter comes up, picks it up, looks at it, and goes and just squeals in laughter, like just <laughs> screams in laughter. And I'm like, what? She goes, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just that was all there was she just like it was so the picture was so absurd and she just recognized it for the the absurdity give her five years put on 21 jump street and things will change right well, yeah well 21 jump street i mean uh, i looked great 20 years ago too she'll she'll get all melty that's right for john all right we're into the overtime gentlemen do we have right. any last star wars bits and pieces to touch on not um, really i think my only last gripe was that do we since it I thought it was cheap since there's no real jeopardy for any of the main characters. You know that Han, Chewie, and Lando are not going to die. Um, that we have to lose another droid. Because like, that's what they cheaped out and did that in Rogue One, too. Oh, don't kill anybody, except they killed everybody. The death of K2SO was, was really hard to, to take. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. Still was getting just, over it? I'm still, yeah, that was a tough one. I, K2SO grew on me quite a bit, but uh, very, you know, sacrificed himself, poor guy. But, but yes, but, I understand but, what you're saying. You, you knew, I mean, that's, that was one of the gripes, low stakes, because you know these people make it. Right. But I mean, with any origin story, you know that. So it's no different than, than any, you know, like we just talked about Marvel. They do origin stories. You know the guy's going to make it or the gal's going to make it. So. <laughs> that's a good point. All mm-hmm. right. Well, that was the last thing I wanted to touch on. Okay. 
But I know, Chris, you wanted to touch talk a little bit about the U.S. Open, so why don't you lead us off? The U.S. Open, Shinnecock Hills. We made we made that joke on Twitter, Um, but but the uh, but no, I think that, uh, you know, whenever we get around to golf majors, we got to give a little we got to give a little love. I think uh, I think this week uh, the big I think the top the top headline was is Phil Phil completes the career Grand Slam or Tiger gets back on track. Uh, I think that's what most people are hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's enough chalk in either of those two guys for me to put them onto my onto my top five. But um, well, Phil has sho- Phil has shown that he really doesn't wilt down the stretch at a U.S. Open in the state of New York, right? <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> Poor Phil. Well, I, yeah, I don't see either of those storylines happening. Of course, um, I think there's a chance one of those two is contending for a while, but I don't think that they're gonna you know be there in the end. I, it, in the end, I think it's Camilla Vijegas' tournament to win or lose. So, um, <laughs> Does that guy even have a card He's still? hurt. He's got a bad shoulder, oh, man. whatever, dude. God, I miss him. I miss him so much. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, I'm curious who you guys think. Are, I mean, because it seems like a lot of people, obviously, Dustin Johnson's last shot was like a 165-yard hold shot from the freaking rough to win the right. tournament. Uh, so he's got to be, you know, one of the top three contenders. Um, I think Ricky will be there. Jason Day will be there. You know, those those guys are all going to be in the mix. Those guys always play well in the U.S. Open. Yeah, I took all chalk this week. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be a big hitter. It's got to be somebody who's got. I don't think we're going to get a first time major winner this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, it just doesn't feel like that kind of week, especially with the way the the top guys are playing right now. Especially Ricky would be the only one. Ricky would be the only yeah. threat to that. Yeah, but I mean, if if you're if, Justin Thomas, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson. Please no Jordan Spieth. Please no Jordan Spieth. Not Jordan Spieth. God, that little whiny. Wow. (laughs) Strong Jordan Spieth. Hate Jordan Spieth. And I hate his stupid shoes. I don't like him. And his shoes are terrible. But I hate. I just. I can't. I can't watch him. It's so hard to watch. Maybe part of it's because I whine when I'm on the golf course and I I see too much of it myself. But he's just a. He's just a griper, and the thing that uh, my buddies and I, whenever we play golf, always joke about is whenever whenever one of us hits a bad shot, we turn together I, the other guy and go, "Michael!" He's always <laughs> yelling at his caddy. <laughs> Michael, it's always his fault. Poor guy. My wife, my wife keeps betting me every year that uh, she's like, "I bet you twenty bucks by the end of the year he fires Greller." <laughs> I'm like, "No way! He's never firing it. Never." Well, never. Phil got Phil got rid of Bones, so well after you never know. 30 years yeah but they like didn't it's different yeah those guys are they grew up together right don't you think there's going to be kind of an older guy in the mix i mean it could be phil and tiger technically is an older guy i always for some reason feel like like stenson's gonna be around i don't know why no because he's a sniper when he gets hot and he hits that just that three wood and whenever you're gonna play a course where accuracy is a premium and you still can hit the three wood 285 290 stenson's your guy yeah, and he's been he's been in good form. It's really about whether or not you know he can make putts, and that's the truth for everybody around here. It's like you hit fairways, you hit greens, you make putts, you're gonna win the tournament. But uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty chalky too. So Dustin, Justin, Justin, and Brooks, and we singing uh, the uh, meaty cheesy boys. <laughs> the meaty who, who do you want? Who do you want to win? Um, I don't know that I care. I've become quite the Justin Rose fan lately. Yeah, um, he's easy to root for. Yeah, he's just there's a lot to like about his game. He's really fun to watch. He's creative. He hits he's big a, shots, even though he's not a big dude. He's a nice guy. Like he's yeah. not a ass. I mean, yeah. if I could pick anybody, I'd love to see 
you know, Tiger win another major. I mean, just, just because for old yeah. time's sake. Yeah. I'd like to see that too. And I think on your show, I don't know, within the last couple of weeks, you referenced uh, Tony Finau. I kind of like to see him win. Yeah. I like that yeah. guy a lot. I like his game a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't think, mind. I, guess. I don't think he puts, I don't think he puts well enough to win. Probably a not. This week, no, I don't think so not. either. From a gambling perspective, if I was going to put some money down, um, he hasn't been, I like, I like thinking about Leishman at 50 to one. Um, just because he has turned up hot in the, the important tournaments this year um, mm-hmm. and then has been pretty much on form, more or less. Um, I also like um, – I don't know where he's been. Uh, Pat Reed at 45 to 1 just because I can see him sticking his head up. Yeah. Um, he's a pretty uh, accurate guy too. Yes. Uh, and that's – I don't like, – everything else, you know, is like 15 to 1, not 20, 20 to 1. It's for me, in golf, you're going to bet an individual golfer. you got to get at least 4 to 1 odds. Can you bet? Can you place a bet that says like I think Alex I think Alex Chica will lead the tournament for like an hour on the first day and then he'll <laughs> yeah. fucking completely fall off. He you always can find starts a book out that's hot. offering it. I'm telling you, he starts out hot every one of these majors, and then he just comp- he's gone by day two or day three. It's hilarious. You know, the sharps never bet who wins the tournament. Like Vegas puts out this whole list of matchups, right? And and the sharps generally bet matchups. Right. As opposed to, oh, interesting. You know, um, which would be really interesting because you get matchups that are way down the list. Right. <laughs> really, really, really obscure people in the, you know, would you take those matchups? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting stat that I heard the other day, well, I think today actually, was that, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson is currently older than Tiger was when he won in 2008. Wow. Now that makes so sense, du- I guess. So Dustin Johnson's thirty-three. Uh, Tiger Woods won his last major at thirty-two. Right. Huh. And it's really funny that we look at DJ and say, "Well, DJ's about ready to bust loose and and maybe win a handful." You know, he's only won one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that kind seems of, wrong which, too. Which kind of which kind of tells you. you Should have won three. Sorry. The U.S. Open in and 2010. the PGA. Yeah. the PGA when he hit that shot out of the whatever they out called of the it a, gra- a bunker. Yeah. Yeah, when he, so yeah, that was the bullshit. that was bullshit. He did. But it's really funny to think that that um that Tiger won 14 of them by the time he was 32. Pretty crazy. And and uh and then and then we look at DJ who's won one and we think to ourselves, "Well, here he goes. He's ready right. to he's ready to go." Um I think I think DJ's ready to pick off. I think DJ ends up with three majors before it's all said and done. Oh yeah. I could see that for sure. I feel like he could go on a run at any time. I feel like he's the kind of guy that could like almost win the slam in a year. If he just give his game stays together. But that's what I'm saying. I just don't know if, I just don't know if I think the, the, the thing that helped tiger a lot is he won early when he was single and very single mindedly focused. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like DJ's got kids got you know other things yeah, but going he needed, on he was the kind of guy that needed to mature though he felt i felt like he got better after he had to like grow up yeah but he but there's still a lot of pieces of your life pulling on you sure which when, by the way that is the old arc of a golfer it's almost like a right. like a marathon runner or something people wouldn't win in their 20s or early 20s as much it started it started late 20s early 30s yeah. was kind of the prime so mm-hmm. uh, it's different now because you see these guys like spieth come out and win you know, a bunch of ma- multiple majors by the time they're 23, 24. Well, golf's yeah, going to be like every other sport. There's going to be specializ- specialization much earlier in life, and people are going to take it more seriously much earlier. And, you know, I mean, we, you're talking about, even when we were coming up, like a lot of the pros had, 
you know, different swings and guys played a lot of different styles and you don't really see that anymore. There's a lot of uniformity. It's a lot like the way the NBA has, or AAU has kind of uniformed the style of play in the NBA somewhat to its detriment. I think in golf, maybe it's not as big of a deal because if you've got all these guys and pull off all these crazy shots, cause they've been, you know, swinging the club 120 miles an hour since they're 14 years old, then you're going to have great career, great long careers where these guys can compete for a long, very long time. And I think that's good for the sport. Yeah. A lot, lot less love handles too on the tour. Yeah, and I'm not sad about that. Although it does make me feel bad personally. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, we have crested the 52-minute mark, and I think it's time to call it. So any last parting shots you want to get in before we call it a night on the two-on-three pod? I got nothing except for uh, I think Solo is quality. I'd like to see a sequel. I don't think it needs a trilogy, maybe just a sequel. You got a letter grade for us? Uh, that's a good question. Mm, I'll you say like stars? I'll do a letter grade. This might be generous. I'll say like B, B plus. Okay. Chris? I was going to give it a B minus, but, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Matt was going to go A minus. I don't think it's in the A's. B plus is probably pretty solid. I'm going to yeah. say B minus. If I'm an English teacher grading this test, I'm giving it a rock solid B. You didn't wow me, but you didn't fuck it up either. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Here's a Good work. <laughs> exactly. Matt, thanks for joining into our, uh, our, little, uh, our little hoot nanny tonight. That, yeah. I like that you called it a hoot nanny. Thank you for having me. I do like to uh, give myself a tip of the cap because I feel like I kind of pushed you, pushed on you guys enough to get this podcast started. So I like to take a little tiny bit of credit for this show getting started. But no, I appreciate you guys having me on as, as your first guest. I hope uh, you'll invite me back again because it was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Absolutely. We loved having you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Two on Three podcast. We appreciate your ears each and every week, and we'll see them next week. Peace.